But our fish said, no, no, make that cat go away. Tell that cat in the hat you do not want to play. He should not be here. He should not be about. He should not be here when your mother is out. Welcome to 1001 Good Nights, a new podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Turn the pages with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they try to understand the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Ben. We are going to talk about The Cat in the Hat today. Um, Tell me why you wanted to pick this book and uh, what you like about it, what you find interesting about it. Go for it. Yeah. So I think that we picked this book because it was kind of inevitable. Uh, It was such a big deal. It's the book that made Seuss, Seuss. So he'd he'd written a bunch of books before this, but this is the one that uh, was sort of the watershed moment where after that he became a full-time children's book writer and it was this mega hit. Um, and so it, it changed uh, kind of our models for approaching children's literature and childhood development. And it happened right at the, the apex of the sort of uh, early literacy like point for the baby boom generation. So um, I feel like if if we want to talk about Children's books from the perspective of a, a book editor and a psychologist, we kind of have to talk about this one. So I thought maybe what we would do is uh, uh, we would change the format up a little bit and that I would sort of talk about this from the perspective of a, uh, a book editor. And then I, I'd kind of let you loose on it to, to break down uh, this from a psychologist's point of view because there's, <laughs> there's certainly a, a lot at work there. Um, and I'd sort of let you have free reign. So, um, just, to, to from, from the, an editor's perspective, um, the, I guess the, the first thing is that this is, uh, it was such a, a, a kind of a deliberate book. I mean, I, I think, uh, people often think that Dr. Seuss books are kind of silly and it's just a bunch of words that rhyme. Um, there's only 236 words in this, but it was, it was incredibly disciplined in terms of how he, how how much time he invested in it. Um, I've, I've heard people talk who uh, knew the people who worked on this on the publishing side of things, oh. and they said that I mean it was a incredibly arduous process when when Seuss would be working on books like this, where hmm. you know just so much uh, fretting over individual words. Everything was chosen really carefully, and I think that Seuss has said something like. You know, if he's going to write a uh, 60 something page book, he's going to turn out a thousand pages. And it's this, you know, he says writing children's books is such a sweat and blood thing because he's, he's doing so much pruning because, um, you know, a lot of times writers best passages are the ones that are both beyond, I mean, beyond either a children's can or adults comprehension, but adults have in some ways more patience than kids too with, you know, sloppy writing or, or things that don't quite add up. And children, um, they're a more demanding audience in some ways because if they detect, you know, if their uh, sloppy writing detection radar goes off 
they they don't feel like they have to be polite. They can just walk away if, if they're not interested in the book. And so, and this book was in fact a challenge to Seuss. You know, it was uh, the the editor said uh, write a book that first graders can't put down because previously they had all these uh, pri- these reading primers. You know, fun with Dick and Jane, those kind of books yeah. that were very simple but but very boring. And so, as I said before, there are all these uh, baby boomers that all of a sudden were at first grade reading level and, and we're struggling to read. And so Seuss came out with a, a cat in a hat and it right away, you know, sold millions of copies and everybody sort of recognized that it was the, the, the biggest change in a, what, what first graders sort of a first grade primer since, you know, in 150 years. So it was a, a really big deal. But what makes this so interesting to me is that it's obviously very deliberate and and disciplined in terms of, of how he came up, uh, with, with the book, but the plot itself is what actually happens is so haphazard and, and chaotic. And I, I'm still not exactly sure what's going on. I mean, I think that it's, it's, it's been so it's been dissected, uh, a ton by, by, you know, by really thoughtful minds and people sort of perceive Dr. Seuss is, you know, whether he's a sort of a, cheap trickster or a racist or a, a visionary or the only person we can trust with our children. They, they, they sort of put a lot on him, but, and, and they make kind of convincing cases for all of that, but I still haven't really encountered anybody that can really tell me what, what exactly is <laughs> happening with the cat in the hat in those 236 words. So I thought maybe just parent to parent, I kind of walked through it with you and parent to parent and like English major to English major. Yes. Kind of, kind of walk through the plot. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Yeah, and see, see, see what's going on. So, I mean, it seems, I mean, kind of basic. You know, it's it's kids. They're trapped inside because it's, it's raining outside and they're they're bored. And then um, this big anthropomorphic cat shows up and says he can show them a good time. <laughs> uh, and uh, they're fish. They're they're talking fish. Uh, protests. And says, you know, mom wouldn't like this. And then the cat ignores the fish and plays this these, game. That, these two kids have been, who have been left at home alone right. with the oh, fish yeah. while well, the mom's the, out. Right. Well, there's a lot to like. Uh, like there's, there's a lot to term. Just I, I would say reading this as a parent, it, it is. I just I have a lot of different opinions than when I when I had you know I read this as a kid. Um, but uh, yeah. So that so so yeah. Then the, the cat the cat proceeds to. The first game is the cat just trying to balance as many things as possible, kind of like juggling, but just how many things can you kind of keep in the air on top of one each other without dropping them. And then the cat reaches that limit. One of the things is the fish drops the fish. Um, and then the cat says, uh, you know, he doesn't apologize, but he, he says, I really want to stay. So I think I have another fun game. And the children through this whole exchange are silent. But they're, they're not really, but wide eyed, wide eyed. One question we need to probably ask is, you know, and we can get this after we finish the kind of the synopsis, but what, like, what are the children thinking this whole time? And they just yeah. sort of staring at the cat. Are they, are they horrified? Are they just stunned by the, are they, are they mildly amused? You know, and, and cause they, they're, 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 they have these fairly static, just wide mouthed facial expressions the whole time. So the cat says, all right, well, I've got another game we can play. I'll be right back. He brings this box that has the the things in them. Hard to say what the things are, but they do create havoc. So they're wrecking the house. 
And then the fish sees the mother coming home and the, and then says, what are we going to do? Notable that the fish says our mother. I think that's worth worth bringing up. (laughs) And then, uh, one of the kids, uh, we don't know his name, I don't think, right? Because it's Sally and I. It's from the perspective of the little boy. Yeah. He, he leaps into action and he traps the things in a net. And then he tells the cat, you've got you've to fix this. And the cat does. Uh, fixes everything, puts everything back in its place with the use of this bizarre car picker-upper contraption, which is not <laughs> mentioned in the text. So that's another, you know, we, sometimes I think we talk about oh, with the Richard Scary books, yeah. how there's, there's things, there's, you know, there's what's happening in the text that you read and then there's what the children can see for themselves in, you know, kind of in the, both the, the character children it, and the children being read to. Right. That's right. Yeah. The, 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 illust- the illustrations are telling this sort of other, you know, super narrative story. Um, and so it picks everything up. Then the mother comes home and the mother says, what have you guys been up to since I <laughs> abandoned you? <laughs> and, um, uh, we don't, we don't see, we just see the mother's like leg and, you know, and shoe, and then the children look at each other and they're not sure if they should tell her about the cat or not. And then we don't know what they decide because the book ends. Is that, the, does that sound, and does then, that sound like and a, at the end, the, the narrator asks, you know, right. my kids what, what they would do if they were in a similar situation. Just right. Some weird. Yeah. Kind of disconcerting. Question right. At the end. Anyway. And so, the, and so this is the, the plot of the book that became like, <laughs> there's the book that everybody not only had read of them, but it's the book that they taught themselves to read to. So this yeah. is sort of how they, and that's the other thing is that if this is the book that kids are using to teach themselves to read, this is one of the, the it's meant to be sort of deliberately the first book that they have uh, unmediated. I mean, maybe that's not quite fair because maybe their parents have been reading them the book and so they've begun to learn it, but they can access it themselves and sort of, so when the the narrator says, what would you do? It's He's really talking directly to the kids, maybe for the first time since the parents aren't there to sort of overhear what the kids would answer if they're being completely honest. Right. Right. So anyway, so, you know, uh, kind of a simple story, but also bizarre. And I mean, what do you, what's, so just what do you, your, your take on it as someone who experienced the plot? I mean, do you think the kids, are they, are they enjoying themselves? Just, you know, without doing too much speculation, do you think the kids Liked what the cat was doing? Are they like what? Then we saw him pick up all the things that were down. He picked up the cake and the rake and the gown and the milk and the strings and the book and the dish and the fan and the cup and the ship and the fish. And he put them away. Then he said, that is that. And then he was gone with the tip of his hat. So as far as I can tell, the emotional range is boredom at the beginning and then yeah. in the in the narration, you don't really get a lot of clues in the middle as to what the kids are feeling. So you got to go off the pictures. And for ninety percent of the middle of the book, it's like shock and awe. You know, it's just like right. surprise at best. Kind of like definitely fear is is a possible right. uh, emotion in there. But then at the end, there is some kind of joy. Um, and so I I definitely think there's a lot. I, I mean, I think like parents and probably a lot of kids. It, <laughs> what's going on for those kids is what the hell's happening for, yeah. for the vast majority of the story. Um, that's a, that's how I read it anyway. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of strange. So I will say, uh, and Jack, so 
a couple things just from my experience as, as a reader of this book to, to Jack. One is that we often divide this up almost into two books. Like hmm. if he, like we, he, uh, so his favorite character is the fish. And I don't know, maybe when you, when you analyze this, you can <laughs> tell me what, what that means. But, um, it's, it's kind of a weird thing because first of all, uh, I think we, we, we've talked about where the wild things are and how that's kind of a hard book to read sometimes. Mm-hmm. This book is so much fun to read. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, and then, then, then you can really tell how deliberate kind of the, the rhythm of it is. I mean, you, it, when, when the cat is just stacking all these rhyming objects together, l- literally and figuratively, um, for you to sort of pace through, I get such a rush out of, yes. out of doing that. It's like, but, bear, it's like bear hunt. It reminds me of like, right. it's the rhythm just like pushes you for like carries you forward. It's exciting. Yeah. It's fun, no, pleasurable it's, to read. And it's great. So I'm enjoying myself when the cat's doing this. But Jack really likes it when the his favorite parts are where the fish protests. Like before the cat starts, he goes, "No, no, no!" said the fish, you know. And then, uh, and then again, when the when the fish says, "I do not like this," Jack really identifies with 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 that. And the, the fish is really, I feel like, one of the few. I mean, I guess the cat's motivate the cat. Like you, you don't. It's kind of hard to say what like what's going on in the cat's head. I mean, he. You do know that he's he seems desperate to stay, like right? He, like he, because he's like, well, let me come up with another game. He goes and he's kind of brainstorming. Goes, I, I, I do not want to go. So, so, so. Oh, I've got an idea. You know, I call this fun in a box. You're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> love this. So he seems like desperate to please these kids. Um, but what, what's, what's his objective? Is he and is he an antagonist? I mean, so in Jack's mind, I mean, if you, I guess, like if you side with the fish and the cat. If, if, if the fish is your protagonist and the cat is definitely an antagonist, right? Like, right. He, like the fish doesn't want him to be there. He doesn't, th- th- he, he does not think it sh- the cat should be there without the mother being there. And the fish is pretty valid. He gets dropped in a, he gets dropped in a, uh, the pot, pot right and then, there. and it says that said the fish as he lit. So he's, yeah. he's burned. He's literally burned by the cat. You know, so. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that makes the cat an, an, an antagonist, but the, the cat, Actually, doesn't I mean the the consequent the, the cat does fix everything, so it, in some ways it's not like he causes lasting damages. He, he he creates a problem, then he fixes that problem, and then it. I guess one thing that we have to to wonder is where where the kids entertain. I mean, but but before they know it, you know, it, it starts with them glumly staring out the window, and then before they know it, uh, their their mother. Is home, so it does pass the time. I mean, it, right? Is that objective? I and, mean, the, and there are moments where they seem to be having fun towards the end, right? Right. But, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't. It, it, at at once, it's sort of begging to be kind of analyzed morally, like who's right, who's wrong, who's the villain, who's the protagonist. But it, right. it, in a weird way, it it feels very amoral to me. Right. Like it it, it just feels like stuff's happening. It, it's like it's kind of about feeling and like reaction and it's it's hard to say you can't slice it cleanly in terms of right and wrong um okay but but here's the deal is that those those seem to be questions that the <laughs> that the text at the very is like end. and at the beginning like the, the the cat before you even and and this is always suspicious when pe- people tell you something like this like oh no it, it's fine that's like it's like very like serpent in the garden <laughs> like your, your mother like it's fine that like your mother would want you to do this or it's not uh what like what, what, what exactly does he say? Let's see. Like it's, uh, he says, Oh, uh, your mother will not mind at all. If I do, 
Like he, he, the cat brings up the mother before anybody yeah. says anything. He says, oh no, it's, she, <laughs> she totally won't mind, which is, I mean, always a, like that, that's a, that's a total red flag. Right. And then, and then the fish says, you know, the mother wouldn't mind. And then at the very end, the narrator asks you like, what should you do? Like, that's a, that's a real, like, that's a, you're, you're, you're being asked to make a choice. Like, should I reveal this? And it's also bizarre that, that it even has to be like that the, that the mother coming home is this moment of terror. Like instead of, Oh, thank God my mother can come home and handle this like <laughs> trespasser in our home. Like mom's going to come solve this. Like, no, like we've got to, we've got to deal with this before mom gets home or we're all going to be in trouble. You know, that's, that's the, that's the attitude. So but, yeah, but, it's kind of an amoral universe, but, it, but it's very clear that in the, in the book there, are, there is this sense of like right and wrong and transgressing and, you know, tre- trespass is a big deal, like in the book, I think. Right. But that's got to be, that's the perfect characterization of childhood, right? Especially early childhood is that you're, you, there's all this stuff that's happening to you. Like morality is being put on you. Everyone's trying to tell you what, how you should behave, what the right thing to do is, what the wrong thing to do is. Like, what do you do with trespass? You know, so you're, you're, morality pervades you right as a kid right but you don't have the intellectual equipment to really make sense of it. it it's just sort of if you are learning to act more morally it's probably more conditioned you're just sort of being conditioned how to do the right thing and not the wrong thing so it probably from a kid's perspective i think it 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 feels kind of just this like almost it's like either chaotic or calming it's not right Right. or wrong and that's why i think part of why my i don't know my daughter anyway when i asked the question at the end what would you do she she just kind of sits there like frowning like she doesn't she doesn't have an answer like she and maybe she's a little young for the the target age range for this book but um i think that tension between is this all just sort of like chaotic kind of like feeling and experience or is this trying to like um get at like a bit like bigger kind of moral questions that tension is like, I would imagine that's what a kid feels like. Yeah. Yeah, no, it totally does. Um, and it's, and I, and I think it's also interesting because, um, even if it's conditioned, this is, you know, this is say this is aimed at, you know, first graders or people that are, that are teaching them, learning how to read for themselves. They're, they're, they're being, even it's been, if it's been conditioned and they're being asked to sort of make, or they're being expected to make some, sort of moral decision yeah, there's a certain level of, there, of, of there's a, a certain level of accountability like you if you know like at this point you should know that you're not supposed to do certain things even if you don't necessarily understand like why like the, the consequences of, of what those things would be you it, it's 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 an uh it's sort of understood that it's enough that you know that you're not supposed to do this or you are supposed to do this you know that, that you you have tr- adults have said don't do x or you know this is improper behavior and you know you enough you know enough about not the social conscious of the right word but uh, but how kind of things function to be if, if you do it then you're there's a certain level of culpability right there. right is is that right yeah and so i think while while it's trying to figure out an answer to this stuff as adults is frustrating it's it seems to me like it's it's doing what good art does generally which is much more about describing how things are or trying to portray something um, in a, in an artful way that asks a lot of interesting questions rather than trying to make an argument for one thing one way or the other. Okay. Yeah. I, I buy that. You buy that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so now we've, we've, we've kind of talked about um, what happens in the book. 
tell me like what's really going on. Like what's like, you know, <laughs> in, in terms of like, like break, psychoanalyze this, this, this business. And we've you, sort of, we've sort of, we've sort of talked about the text. Now, now give me some subtext. Are you lying on a couch? You ready yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, okay. So, so everyone's heard of Freud and, and one of, one of Freud's kind of landmark theories that was that you could kind of break down the mind, um, according to three big parts. He said there was a, um, what was called an id, which is kind of your, it's an expression of your kind of your wants. It's, it's kind of impulsive. It's kind of primitive. It, it could every, be everything from hunger. You know, you just want something to eat to, um, you want to just start playing, but it, it's your sort of instinct. Um, and then, and then there's this, what he called the super ego, which is it's, it's basically the internalization of culture and norms. So this is as opposed to what you want to do, your superego is a representation of what you should do. And so obviously those two things come into conflict with each other. (laughs) And if, if there's, and then the third part kind of of the mind that doesn't really develop until we mature into, you know, young adults and then adults, hopefully is what Freud called the ego, which, which is basically your rational mind. And it's the ego's job is to negotiate the kind of constant tension between the superego and the id, what you, you know, what you think you should do and what you want to do. And if any, if the, if the ego isn't strong enough to negotiate those two, one of them gets kind of bossy and oppressive. And that's when psychologically, you know, bad things start to happen. So Freud thought of all of therapy was about strengthening the ego and the ability to negotiate these kind of two fundamental poles. So what I think one lens for looking at this story is that I think like all good children's stories and children's books, it, it teaches parents about the experience of being a kid. It, it, if you're thoughtful as a parent, it gives you a window into what life is really like for your kids. Um, from their, from their experience, not from what we want it to be or what we think it should be, but really from their, um, from their perspective. So you could, so, 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 and that's, but, and so you're saying that maybe the, and tell me if I'm wrong, the whole book is kind of about that, not just um, Sally and I, who are the like ostensible kids in the book, but they don't like they don't really even say anything until much later on in the story, and they have the same expression, but that the other elements are all like the fish, the cat, they're all part yeah. of the, the childhood experience. Is yeah, that- so you might even think of the um the the house represents like children's minds generally like and within this house there's all these different parts or characters so there's the obviously the the cat and and to some extent the things represent the more kind of primitive like it the impulse towards what we want and it's got notably like it's got a really fun spontaneous creative aspect to it um which is the cat at its best but then it's also got a kind of a riskier chaotic dangerous side which is the the things right um and then but then there's the fish who in some in some ways is an extension of the mother right it's what you no 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 this is not what you should be doing this is wrong this is dangerous um and then you have these two things like at war with each other for most of the book and for most of the book the two kids who you know you might read as representing these kind of budding egos or like rational parts of the brain are trying to make sense of all this and kind of negotiate these two things like on the one hand, we are bored and we kind of want to have fun. So maybe it's a good idea to let them in. 
And on the other hand, this guy's crazy <laughs> and this is dangerous right. and what's going to happen if mom finds out. Um, and, and so I think, you know, the, the story, both the, this tension between kind of like the chaos and the fun, um, th- that to me seems like such a validating and, and like beautiful illustration of what I had imagined it's like to be a kid and trying to kind of negotiate culture that's being kind of forced upon you sort of right and wrong, what you should and shouldn't do. And then your own kind of impulses of what you want that like, that's a, that's a crazy battle and like thing to have to negotiate. So I think yeah, especially when you're sort of as these, as the kids are left to your own devices, there's the, the mom's away doing whatever she's yeah. doing and you've got to, you've got to make those decisions yourself. And, and I think that's, you know, we joke about this mom who kind of abandons their kids, but, but I think that's really important in that as much as as parents, we like to think we're, we're very attentive to our kids and we take care of them and we're there all the time and we support them, which, you know, which we do. The vast majority of a kid's experience really is their own. It's their own world, right? It, they yeah. are in some ways like we are all very alone for much of our experience. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think that's the, the book like captures that in an important way. So. Yeah, well, I mean, so, I mean, I mean, I think that I mean that that ma- I mean it's uh, with without without declaring that to be true. I think that that maps pretty neatly um, in, in terms of you know what represents what. Do you think? Um, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole. So, what about the relationship between the cat and the things? So, how does like because the 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 cat at least on one level it seems to want to interact with the kids. And please them and come up with a fun game and then later on realizes, oh, well, there's, this isn't appropriate. I need to pack up shop. Whereas yeah. the things are in, in maybe in, in, with your uh, analogy, they're even like a more printed level. They, they don't, I mean, they, so, they just purely, it's just pure chaos. They're just dragging things around the house and wrecking things. And that do they, do they like the cat or they, are they just relieved to be out of the box? I mean, and is it, is it weird that the cat carries them around in a box? I mean, do they... <laughs> Are they like, are they rebelling against the cat or are they sort of in concert with him? Does it matter? (laughs) Does that, does that, does that question interest you at all? I don't, that, you know, that's interesting. That's something I hadn't thought about the relationship between the cat, like as characters between the cat and the things I would say in the, the psychological part of it, a common misreading of, of Freud, I think, and the idea of the id is that it's, that it's bad, that it's base, um, somehow that your, your kind of impulses are always bad. Um, when in reality, they're, they're, the better word in some ways is your, it's a want, right? So there, right. there is kind of a, those can often lead you astray, um, like, you know, like the, the things. But there is one way of reading the book is that it, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There, there's an important aspect. Like the kids, you don't want to not have an id. You don't want to be totally ruled by your, um, by culture and sort of the aughts. And so there's this, and if you think about it, the the very thing that saves them from the things is like the creativity and imagination of the cat, right? So I, right. I, it's I think it's that's an, a really important distinction, which is maybe why it sort of warrants separate characters. Okay, um, well then let me sh- shifting. So we've we've talked about how you know how this is great for parents because it sort of tips them off to what maybe is going on in a child's mind and it's great for kids because they can recognize that they, they feel this kinship with what they see on the page with what they're experiencing and, and maybe handling for the first time. Um, but also like, because it does have, 
like those the questions that it has, especially the end. I feel like you've got to also think about this in some way is is how you like how you interact with your kid as a parent. Does, does that make sense? Like so, like what like if I mean if you. Uh, if, if, if you're there, maybe they're not interested now, but if they did want to talk your, your daughters did want to talk to you about what should, you know, what should the kids do? What would you do? Like, what would you, what would you say there? I mean, like on a very base level, I, I feel like you hope that if like a, if like a strange creature shows up in your house, your kids would tell you about that. <laughs> right. I mean, like, <laughs> I like so. that, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I feel like really as a parent, I, I that that is something I, I think about now, and that also that um, even if there is kind of a, it is like uh, a, a weird amoral universe with a lot of confusing oughts and emotions and things. I think as a parent, like I I do want to have conversations with my kids about you know right and wrong and you know the the whys behind things. Does does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, is that, is, is there, is there an opportunity for that with, with this book? Or, I mean, if, if you were gonna, I, I know that we, we, we sort of not butt heads, but we, we, we talk about this a fair amount, you know, of, of not trying to like push, uh, you know, lessons on kids through books, but just sort of like letting them understand the world through it. But, but I mean, if they're interested in asking some of those questions, I mean, do you say it's great that, some of the stuff that you said, it's great that the, 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 the cat is able to, it's chaotic, but, and confusing, but you can sometimes harness that creativity to kind of fix things. Or you should always be able to tell me if something strange happens while I'm not around you, even if it's confusing, you can't quite explain to me like, or even explain yourself what's been going on. Yeah. Like, no, I, I think it's a, it's a great point. We were just reading, um, little red riding hood and okay. I was like, Sh like I, I never just really considered it that y you have to explain why a wolf just like eats a, a helpless right. little grandma, <laughs> like the violence and like trauma of that. Um, but yeah, it brings up this, you can't ignore the kind of moral questions that will, I would think will inevitably come out of this. Um, so, it, but I think that to me, like the book, it provides a useful model for that, which is basically more questions. Like if, if the, if my kid wants, you know, if they're kind of thinking about, well, you know, what, what would, would I tell my, you know, would I tell my mom, would I not, I, I would want to know like, well, what would happen if you did, or what would happen if you didn't, you know, like to, to kind of get them to sort of think through and show that it's, it's good. And it's important to kind of ask these questions and to, to explore them, but not necessarily, cause I, I don't feel confident that I can tell my kid if something kind of like, if a crazy opportunity presents itself to you, that's potentially risky but also potentially really exciting and fun should you just not do it you know like right. I, I i don't think there is an answer to should you let uh, the cat in or not and, okay, and i but, and i wouldn't want to suggest that okay yeah that that's that's fair um but i mean but if 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 your child comes home and i'm taking this to the extreme like if your child comes home and said yeah you know there this there was this stranger offering candy in their van fucking it's like well you never know like sometimes you just got to follow and see where things go <laughs> like, you, know, you also want to like you want to give them like some not warn does that yeah <laughs> like there, there's got to be there's got to be some level of caution or there's got to be some fish in there right where there's there's a, there's a little bit like 
yeah, like, I think, like there's, or there's a reason we have these. I mean, there, there's got to be some of that in your parenting approach, right? Or like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I think, like, even my my daughter's three and a half, and, and she's aware of the like, pre, like pretend or imaginary versus real kind of distinction. And so, I, I you know, I, I feel like the that question would, if it transitioned to somehow to well, like, what do you do if a you know, creepy guy in a weird hat shows up and asks to come in when your parents aren't home. Right. Yeah, of course. I think you would you would get into no, don't let him in. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm I guess I just I guess I just don't know. I'm I'm curious like how how the how my my kids will perceive the kind of moral questions in that story. And I, I just don't I don't know how that come will come up. I'm so I'm I'm kind of it feels very hard to anticipate that yeah. to me. I, how about you? Like what, I, I don't know. What do you, well, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping because, uh, because your firstborn is, is older than my firstborn that you're going to encounter and tackle these questions. I'll before give you the I, script. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, and it's maybe, maybe we have this conversation, you know, again in a, in, a, in a few years and, and see, you know, and see what now, once the, both our kids are at that age where they are, are being held accountable to make decisions about right or wrong, you know, how, how, uh, if, if our sympathies change, cause I mean, obviously I just as a parent, my sympathies have shifted a little bit. Whereas before the, the fish, when I, when I like when I encountered this as a kid, the, the fish was just a killjoy, you know, <laughs> I think the cat, I don't know why, like my, the cat was just doing all this fun stuff. And then the, the fish just wanted to make sure that everything was tidy, but I don't know. I, <laughs> I no, I'm a little more sympathetic. So we'll have, we'll have to see. I mean, that's, and that's, and that's the mark of, I think a, a good book is one that you, you can, you can kind of grow with and, and, uh, you can, it has, it has, uh, characters that you can sympathize with in turn. Yes. Like, you know, uh, as you, as you, as your perspective and is informed by, by your experience. Absolutely. Hey everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of a thousand and one good nights. If you want to learn more about this book and other bedtime stories, check out our website at 1001goodnights.com. That's 1001goodnights.com. Be sure to sign up for our monthly email newsletter to get updates about upcoming seasons and other new content. Finally, please help us out by rating the show on iTunes. This helps spread the word about the show and get it in front of new listeners each week.